Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. And we're back in studio for another episode of In the Landscape. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) It is officially the year 2021. And we have been on a little bit of an unplanned hiatus, I guess you could say. But just to catch you up, if you're if you're joining us for the first time, I'm your host, Kate Sadler, and with me in studio is my co-host, Charles. Good to be here. Yes, and we are a married business team. We own King Garden, which is a landscape design and care company that has offices in New York and Houston, which has kept us very busy. And we're also parents to a two-year-old. <laughs> just kept us <laughs> which is busy. like running a business where it's like, right when you think things are stable, yes. then something, then a challenge arises. Let's exactly. Put it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Usually involving food and water and some combination thereof. Yeah. We weren't planning to take time off from the podcast and we're really grateful to everyone who sort of checked in on us and asked if we were going to do more episodes. I almost want to joke like, well, we're still married. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're still in business. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, things happen. We are, we are trying to wrangle a lot together. And of course, you know, last year was a hard year. We stayed locked down. I mean, we still are, frankly, but but to try to keep ourselves healthy and keep our family members healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the stresses of that and maintaining a business and trying to communicate to you all through the podcast was becoming a lot. So we had a lot of end of the year obligations to finish up. I mean, that was. Yeah. And then there's the like, holidays. Yeah, it was like week like after week job. of like, oh, my God, five deadlines. Yeah, it was tough. That Yeah. You had a lot of design to finish up. And I successfully defended my dissertation for my doctor of education program at Teachers College. Yeah, which is monumental. It was pretty monumental. (laughs) I won't lie. And so... How many pages again was it? Well, I think just pure written pages was about 220. And it's it's not light reading either. It's like, that's detailed typing uh, research. I mean, hopefully... Yeah, I mean, my my panel said they enjoyed reading it. So I think that's a good compliment. It's a page turner. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A pandemic page turner. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I think these days we're all hungry for things to listen to and read and watch because it feels like, you know, we've been through, I mean, I should speak for myself, but it's like you almost run out of stuff. Like we started a new, we like mysteries. We watch mysteries together. And we like ran out. Like we only have so many Midsummer Murders. Right. I mean, you think you you find a show and you're like, oh, it's got like 27 seasons. We'll be fine. But well, it's no, comforting to hear in entertainment because Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker they were like talking about how they navigated the pandemic, uh-huh. and they said they watched like old episodes of Columbo. Yeah, and I thought we watched too. Columbo. I mean, somebody <laughs> they're pretty well known entertainment yeah. people, but there's like just there's only so many things to watch, and Columbo is like an old. I guess from the 70s is yeah. when what we started watched. in the 70s. Right, right. And then had a few iterations beyond that. So, you know, we have we have certainly been busy with uh, landscape stuff. Things tend to I, I'm some of our listeners in the industry can relate to the fact that it is a seasonal business. And so things have gotten a little bit less robust in terms of business this this last month or two. Right. And um, like the actual revenue income in December is usually pretty always low. slows down. It people happens are, every year. People are busy with their families. Yeah. We had a lot of work to do, mm. which was, I mean, already we'd already been paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, then you have to get it done. 
Yeah. So, and, and we still have some projects that actually, I mean, that's the other thing is a few of our other projects, especially in the Northeast, just have to wait until springtime for us to right. kind of get those rolling again. So we're in the permitting process and the wait and see process and wait for the ground to thaw, thaw process. And so that's sort of where we are. You did a couple of other podcasts with other oh, right. organizations, which is kind of cool. Or, well, one was a podcast, one was a radio show. So which we are both out those. of Philadelphia general yeah. area, which is a great, if you're not from Philadelphia, you don't know, it's a great plant community. There's yeah. botanic gardens, public gardens, great nurseries. Is that where Longwood right. is? Longwood okay. is. Yeah. It's I don't not, know my gardens it's that well, probably, guys. It's a distance from Philadelphia, <laughs> but it's that region. And where's Chanticleer? Is That's also there? there. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, maybe I know my gardens better than I thought. <laughs> and just like the civic planning of Philadelphia mm. with all the squares. Yeah. It's a really cool city. Rittenhouse Square. Yeah. And people have a lot of soul in Philadelphia. I mean, when I go to those conferences, whether it's the person that's like a public, you know, worker that's doing the landscape, that's actually raking and doing the chainsawing, or it's a landscape architect, there's just a lot of soul in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's a different, I mean, New York, I love New York, but New York's, <laughs> New York is, is, is a different animal, let's say. It is, yeah. Philadelphia is a great, great place for arborists too. And we've continued to check out our local Houston parks. We got to do a family walk on Rice campus, oh, the right. Rice University campus, which is, of course, one of our great private universities here in the United States. And it beautifully done. Lots of brick work. Yeah, exquisite. I mean, like the paving, the details. Sculpture. So it's nice to, to continue to get out into public spaces and get to enjoy that opportunity, um, even as we wait for... I don't know, for the pandemic to finally be over, for, for us to all kind of get back to some semblance of... Well, of college campuses, like I think you pointed out when there's, I mean, there's all different variations, but it's a public space. I mean, most of it, and, but it's not that busy because either mm. the students, whether it was like happened to be holiday break, some colleges have reduced amounts of students, some don't have students, where the local parks, some of those can be pretty busy, yeah. where it's not depending on your sensibility, might not be that safe if it's packed with people. Right, right, <laughs> but right. But the college campuses are so pretty. Gosh, yeah, beautiful, you know, historic buildings, trees, sculpture. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's elements of interest, the architectural interest. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes great parks, which are fun, you go, you have a picnic. I mean, not to denigrate just plants, but sometimes the architectural elements really lend something if you're just strolling because mm-hmm. it gives your eye a little bit more of the varied interest and stuff like that. So we were right. noticing one cool thing about the Rice Campus is, and we, you know, it's funny because our very, very first episode of this podcast, we talked about like the the live oaks not being given enough space to grow. Mm-hmm. And, and on this campus, you would see like one full courtyard where students could gather and eat their lunches or whatever. One courtyard shaded by a live oak. So <laughs> one of right. the strengths of the campus was having these magnificent trees that were then given that space and and longevity, the opportunity to kind of grow mm-hmm. and then really work with the architecture. So you'd come through like an archway and then the arch would sort of be echoed in the sweeping oh, you know, right. bow. These like the vignettes tree. where yeah. you, you were looking down a colonnade more or less and you saw a live oak way in the distance that was like more or less like it was echoing these these arches. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice trip. And then there was one 
green hill thing that <laughs> I'm not just I'm oh, right. but it had um it had an art installation that you recognized it was like environmental art in a way and so you you recognized who you thought the artist might be before we confirmed it so oh, right. what was that piece that's a uh, James Terrell and it, it's called Twilight Epiphany Sky Space he's known I remember I studied him in art history I think it's like out in the Southwest. So it'd be a building you'd sit in. Imagine mm-hmm. like an observatory, it's, you know, similar. You're in the building and you're looking up at the sky. So the sky is, is a particular, the shape is a particular, it's framed in a particular way. And there's this more or less pavilion. So it's an earthen mound with lawn that you climb up to. And then there's seating. There's seating on four sides. And then there's an overhead pavilion with a cutout. And so the sky is framed in this, I, I believe it's a perfect square. So it's quite striking. And even which some of his Southwestern installations that I'm familiar with, it's similar. So the, the ceiling that you're looking at, the lawn and surrounding it was a different type of grass than the rest of the grass, I believe. It was a beautiful, perfect green. <laughs> and the green was reflected in the ceiling, actually. If you look mm-hmm. really carefully. Yeah, it was very pretty. So it really, I mean, it, it's like a Zen-like experience. It really brings you, it helps you focus because what you don't see, it's eliminating quite a bit of information. And mm-hmm. what you do see is this beautiful square in the sky. It's interesting because it was reminding me of the Santa Fe Opera Theater and Opera Ranch is what they call it. And it's this open air theater in mm. Santa Fe, oh New gosh. Mexico. And it's a different, it's James Stewart Polshek. And okay. partners designed the building, but it really is an example. And maybe this would be some material for a future episode. We talk a lot about being in the landscape and doing sort of landscape architecture from that vantage, but thinking about architecture that really honors the landscape. I mean, mm. I know there's a precedent for that. The falling water, is it? Oh, right. Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people, like, I mean, some critics of that would say, the, the client had this special like waterfall. Uh-huh. And so Frank Lloyd Wright put a building right on top of his special spot. Mm. So in a way, it's like it honors it. But then in a way, that spot's no longer there because there's like a building on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's, yeah, it's, um, it, it's that sort of tension between modifying the landscape and preserving the landscape. But if you have a chance to get to Santa Fe, New Mexico, I, I remember being there with my mother. We did a trip and seeing a show and, but the thunder, the desert thunderstorms were happening off in the distance. Oh my gosh. So you had no sound, but you had like the light and the, wow. the rolling clouds. So that certainly is an element of, of being in the landscape and, and one mm-hmm. that might be fun to explore some more. So we are thinking of new topics to cover where you may be traveling soon as safely as possible for a project. And so we're going to look into being able to continue recording in that time because right. I've actually missed this and it's sort of like our time together. <laughs> You're right. It's like our weekly discipline. <laughs> a check-in and, and we get to talk about the business and I guess sort of rekindle that enthusiasm about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Great. Cause we're all, I mean, we're both out in the world reading, consuming information, but I wouldn't necessarily share that as it comes up. And it's nice to, to reflect like, what did we, the article that we read or that we wrote, what was mm-hmm. the takeaway on that? 
Oh yeah, no, we did. Uh, we did a what was it? An interview also recently for Better Homes and Gardens. Which, mm-hmm. if you follow us on social media, you probably see this. We're sort of shameless self promoters. <laughs> That's right. No shame. <laughs> <laughs> that was all about upcoming garden trends for right. 2021, which mm-hmm. really I think is an extension of what we've experienced in 2020, which was focusing on the home and things we've talked about on this podcast: indoor plants and bringing the outdoors in and indoors out mm-hmm. thinking about rooms like actual you know and we're not the first people to talk about this but it was right. it was fun to contribute in that setting as well mm-hmm. and and they do such gorgeous photography and they had some nice other contributors too they quoted other folks in in like allied professions yeah slightly different than what we do right so that was a nice opportunity and uh anything else to share about what Let's see. Been through with We're this. working on a on a topiary, topiary talk. Yes, that's true. For the spring with an organization, so we're sort of getting the details. Well, you're really passionate about topiary, and what's interesting is it really, I think, ties in with your enthusiasm of history. Mm. You know, art history, architectural history. That there's uh, certainly a progression in the use and iteration of of topiary in the landscape and so it's nice to have that focus to like really be able to focus your subject because you can talk about landscape landscape design history is is a broad very broad field and so Mm -hmm. kind of having an opportunity to really focus for this one particular talk i think is going to be fun and see it through because all the other subjects we talk about but to see it through that one lens of Mm. And even like these, what I'm finding, naturalistic landscape design, so that'd be Andre Lenoe, Capability Brown, Olmsted. It's not that different than topiary. Now, people that were for these sort of pastoral landscapes, they like abhor topiary. Like that's, you know, like shaping plants into specific shapes, but they're really both shaping the landscape. Now, mm-hmm. one's shaping it into this idealized idea of nature. So it looks like like a pastoral landscape, which is just as fabricated mm. as shaping some, as shaping a, a hedge into like a rounded architectural shape. And so when you step back and you say, they're both ex- expressions of art, mm. like with being fine art, it'd be representational. Like that looks like a tree versus abstract where that's shapes, but not something recognizable. Well, it's all very interesting and, and something to look forward to. So we can put details for how to register on our website, on our Facebook page. And, and mm-hmm. so people can tune in if they're interested. Any other pro- projects or maybe not even like upcoming projects? Well, continuations of work you've done over the years. So other things to reflect on, like what, <laughs> you know, what was this challenging year about in terms of work and trends and, and what we saw in our business? We were definitely focused on their home landscape. Mm. So the potager creating an edibles garden, that's popular. I mean, that's a project projects we spent many projects had that element in it. Well, we're, and we had a lot of design projects. I mean, we've done like we heavy have sort duty of a varied business, but Yeah, we have to think of the number. I mean, there's times where we had like twelve design projects that we were working on at once, which mm-hmm. for us is quite a we don't have 24 designers, you know, it's like, <laughs> no. I mean, there's, I have a guy that assists team. me, like mm-hmm. it's, a, you know, like pretty ex- experienced designer that we have a drafting team that does the, all the renderings. Mm-hmm. 
So being more articulate with the design and interacting with the clients where if it's where it's mostly on a video call and emails and photographs. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think my strength is that I can find the right image to communicate. So they relate, the client relays what they're looking for. We even had some, some public projects that, that are in the works. Yeah. And so that was also, that was particular, I would say the images were particularly important when it's, when it's a residential landscape, they have a home usually, or there's the architectural plan. So that's not up, they don't need my feedback on the building. Some of the public projects that we that are in the works that we're working on, that the buildings are really part of the concept right, that we right. came up with. Mm-hmm. And so how those spaces would be used and then sort of building as, as a visual cue. You know, like this is, we're in Texas here, so the building's having an agricultural feel to them when it's a public space that can be appropriate in some communities. And so that was a lot of fun, like, mm-hmm. you know, researching what iconic buildings without it looking cliched or tired, or it looks like a chain restaurant that has, you know, <laughs> like an agricultural look. Well, something we've talked a lot about on the podcast before has to do with changing conditions in the landscape that there are, I mean, we dodged, a number of storms that came up in through the Gulf this oh, that hit Louisiana year. There were like yeah, multiple like hurricanes, right Eastern Texas, Western Louisiana. And so just because we dodged them doesn't mean everybody did. They, they hit somewhere. So they hit mm-hmm. land quite a few, uh, one after the other, you know, California had some tremendous wildfires. I'm, I'm always blown away by the fact that we started last year expressing just astonishment, really, and and sympathy for the fires that were taking place in Australia, mm-hmm. and then and then the year that followed was really something. So, so even though we're going to be coming out of uh, this this strange pandemic time, we're we're and this is relevant to the show. You know, we're still entering a period where these changes in climate and and the impact on the environment is not going to abate anytime soon. Like mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully, collectively, we'll find creative, innovative ways to kind of dial things back temperature-wise or or make adjustments. But nature can't can't change necessarily that quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, some organisms seem to change rapidly, viruses, for example, but it, it takes other populations a while to kind of uh, reflect, you know, which adaptations are suitable to the changing conditions. So, so we're kind of stuck with what's occurring interestingly in terms of industry it it may be a source of opportunity right right like you talked about it being it's part like like the new green deal has already begun with some of these assess these landscapes that have been various wildfires the hurricanes so there's state and federal money involved in assessing like the trees that were damaged can these be rejuvenated or are they a total loss which can also be like public private partnership like i mean from in terms of who's doing the funding it's just evident that there is a need and an opportunity potentially for for landscape professionals to get out there and make a difference in what's mm-hmm. what's happening and and have an impact on how the landscape how quickly it either rebounds or or adapts to new changes. I mean, there are pioneer species that come in right after the right after a fire, right? 
But then, I mean, we see this, I see this on properties I visit of all scales. The invasive species, like when there's a disturbance on a property, mm. whether it's natural or, or human-made, it's, the invasive species are right there ready to take off and to crowd out the native species. Mm. So with the fire landscape, we've been doing a fair amount of reading on plants adapted to fire. So there's plenty of plants in these regions that are experiencing fire, which are adapted to it. I mean, some of them only release their seeds when there's a fire. Right. Yeah, that's um, really fascinating. So, but they're also fragile too. So mm. it's, and the, there's wildlife opportunities too. So leaving, if, as long as a tree has been assessed for safety, leaving standing dead trees is a fantastic habitat mm-hmm. for birds. It attracts insects, and then it attracts birds, and it's a whole life cycle. Yeah, and our creatures, raccoons, the old snags, <laughs> right? Old snags creatures make homes the in them. Yeah. So there's, but it's always a balance of is it harm, is it dangerous for people? Right. And if there's, there's not people in close proximity, <laughs> and there could be education too. You mm-hmm. know, to say we left these dead trees, and here's why. Well, so there's a lot to reflect on from 2020. I'm sure many that's true for just about all of us. And yet we're, you know, we are looking forward to a new year, new opportunity, you know, applying what we've learned from this year and, and, and making the most of things. People were certainly inward focused and spending a lot of time in their home gardens and things like that. And so I I hope some of that continues that some of the, Mm -hmm. some of the focus on our spaces, our landscape spaces that are close to home continue, even as we maybe get an opportunity to travel again. Because people are working from home more than, I mean, many groups of people. And so people like that, I was joking with a client, like, what's the new landscape? It's the husband or wife in the backyard on their cell phone, walking around the backyard. I mean, that, because you're on a conference call, it's it's more relaxing than sitting at a desk. (laughs) And so how do you design for that? Well, there's actually ways to design for that. Like, so do you have any final reflections for this episode? We're keeping this one short and sweet as we kind of get back into the habit of <laughs> making this a routine. So we will certainly be having more episodes coming out this year. If you have any topics you'd like us to cover that you're that you didn't hear and were worried we would never get to if we if we disappeared, um, we're happy to take that advice. Mm-hmm. The information for all of that's at the end of the episode. But any final reflections that you'd like to share this episode? Well, a landscape that is, is so cheerful, heartwarming, many people find delightful in New Orleans. I, I was there like more than a year ago, so the previous December, and one of the main sort of grand avenues with beautiful architecture and beautiful trees, lots of those southern live oaks. There's a house on St. Charles Avenue that has magnificent live oak trees, and I, when I visited, when I was there, I got chatting with people. So there are people walking their dog and it's such a, it's decorated for the holidays mm-hmm. and it's such a large undertaking. I mean, the cost is like an unimaginable cost <laughs> to decorate it. I don't know if there's millions of lights. There's a lot, a lot of, it's beyond belief. So on St. Charles Avenue. And so they normally decorate it. It's a residence, large residence. It's almost like a compound, but it's very visible from the street. There's like wrought iron fence and these magnificent oak trees. I mean, every inch of them is coated in white lights mm. and the fences and the other. And so as like a sort of active civic, you know, 
benefit. They decorated this year also. So normally that they wouldn't have decorated this year. Oh. They would take a year off. And so I, I've shared pictures of that. There's plenty of folks. I mean, we even found that we decorated, we got our holiday decorations up early. Mm-hmm. Houston's known for, we haven't seen this one particular neighborhood, the River Oaks neighborhood, but I think it's similar where it's just the, mm-hmm. the oak trees are, are lighted. It's just, it's astounding. It's, yeah. it's fun too, except since we don't have snow here in Texas or not in our part of Texas, <laughs> the holiday lights, it's, it's a cheerful part of the year. Right. Well, uh, soon those will get packed up and put away for another year and we'll start looking forward to spring in our hemisphere. And, and those of you down south will get, get an opportunity to look forward to autumn, however that expresses itself mm-hmm. in your landscape. That's exciting. I mean, autumn is my favorite season. So it's fun to think <laughs> it's fun to think it's happening twice. You maybe we could do that some year. Over. You could have two autumns. Yeah. Right? It's like being go. in a plane <laughs> and seeing the sunrise or set <laughs> multiple times. Yes, exactly. So yeah. So we just wanted to check in with our listeners. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. We're looking forward to another good year and we'll try to come up with some great content for you. So mm-hmm. Feel free to drop us a line, check in, find us on social media, subscribe, rate, review. I think that's the... <laughs> you can check out uh, podcast. The, like the courses. We offer courses. We have yeah. the Bergen and Ball tools. Oh, yeah. It's been a whole adventure. It's been a very adventuresome year. <laughs> and we never really even left our house. So it's amazing how that can work. All right. Well, thank you again. And we wish you the best as we enter this new year collectively. And uh, we'll see what 2021 has in store. Very good. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.